1: grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. My nephew TJ that some of you know is new to ministry. He's doing a great job in his first congregation in Indiana and there's much to get used to in ministry as you figure out how to lead a congregation but that's not the only part of learning how to become a pastor. There. are or all these other things, too, surrounding what it means to be a person in ministry that gets at your own personal life and and how you relate to others. And there's certainly that when it comes to people that you just meet, but also you discover that some of your relationships, even with lifelong relationships in your family, they seem to shift a bit when you become the pastor. When, You used to have family meals. It didn't matter who prayed. And now, when it comes time for prayer, everyone turns and looks at you. And, well, of course the pastor's going to pray because he's the professional prayer. And then there's also the fact that you become the resident theologian for all of your family and friends. When they see something weird, they say, what do you think about that? Well, this happened recently to TJ when a family member sent him an article that was pretty far afield from Lutheran theology, and so T.J. Sennett forwarded it on to me and said, what do you think about that? Um, Still talking to his pastor friend. Um, But it was this article that was very much a part of the mixing of American exceptionalism and Christian teaching that's so prevalent today in American evangelicalism. A member of a prominent evangelical family was opining about signs of the end times that they were observing now in geopolitics as they relate to the writings of one of the prophets, and they were suggesting that our president, like the leaders of other nations in scriptures, was even unwittingly being used by God through his actions in Syria to bring about the second coming of Christ. Well, I fired back something to T.J. in the way of a response that was probably overly expressing my disdain for arguments like this that sound biblical on the surface but miss the heart of the gospel message. T.J.'s response focused on the biblical principle about the fact that the hour that this next world will come is one that no one knows. Jesus himself says that. And here in our gospel lesson for today, he says this. Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, the time is near. Do not go after them. This is very clear. And the maddening thing is that with even this clarity, so many immediately take the next verses and try to use those to become the ones from which they say, Aha, I've seen the signs. that We've heard about them here in Scripture. The time is near. Look at these signs, just as Jesus was warning against just a verse earlier. The signs that Jesus points to here in our gospel lesson for today are not about determining a specific agenda for the time when Christ will come again. Instead, they are written to be clear about the nature of our waiting and our watching for the time that is to come. And in this exhortation about our waiting, I find the, the more deeper problematic piece of our national Christian pastime of looking for signs of the coming kingdom among us. First of all, we must always note that there is an inherent arrogance to trying to find one's own nations and the actions to the coming of Christ. The United States of America is found nowhere in Scripture, We're a relatively new nation in a global sense. The closest we should ever come to reading our nation into Scripture is the imperatives about how nations rise and fall and to take note of their arrogance and greed and the pursuit of absolute power and how that led to the downfall of so many nations throughout biblical history. This along with God's call to live in justice and mercy and the priority of the care of our neighbors that mark our scriptures. These are the national imperatives of scripture. Second of all, to focus on these grand signs in geopolitics in relationship to the coming of God's kingdom is to put ourselves on the sidelines of God's work in the restoration of the world. These kinds of pronouncements about what God is doing in the world by manipulating world powers as some kind of grand plan for a dramatic epic action movie story at least put this put us in the place of our recliners with popcorn in hand just watching it all happen in front of us that's exactly what jesus speaks against here in this passage from luke for today jesus is pointing to these narratives that put us in our recliners and he says beware of these stories for These are not your story with God. Your story with God is a personal one. Your story with God involves your testimony. Your story with God in the midst of a world that too often seems to be falling down around us looks beyond the destruction to the signs of hope that you can see springing up even in the midst of the chaos. Jesus is realistic. He warns the disciples that there may be persecutions and you should be prepared for those that don't want to hear your message of peace hope and love in the midst of the destruction more war more violence more power these are the cries of the world in the midst of struggle but our word is different as christians and proclaiming that word of grace and love can come at a cost so be prepared But Jesus also attaches to this warning two promises. Jesus promises that he will be with us to give us the words, the courage, the resolve that we need in those moments. And he also promises that in the end, restoration comes. Not a hair on your head will perish because in the end, God is making all things new. Our engagement with the world, even when it appears to be falling down around us, is the exact opposite of spectators standing around looking for particular signs of disaster that will bring the end. Our engagement is an active one that turns into the face of disaster to say, we stand in hope and in love no matter what because the tomb is empty. And that changes everything. Those of you that were able to be here this last Sunday were blessed by hearing stories of everyday heroes that exemplify this posture towards the world. We heard from one of our own heroes, Annie Melvin, who shared her story of facing the world's worst. She gave her witness of the resurrection of power of God that filled her and brought her through her own struggles to now be able to serve others in their struggles. And we watch together stories in this beautiful new documentary that is a collection of stories about young people that are leading the way and showing us what it means to live in hope and trust that God is indeed doing a new thing among us. I want to share one of those videos with you this morning as I encourage you to see the whole film, Look to the Sky. Look to the Sky can serve as an encouragement to give witness to the hope we experience through the resurrection power of God breaking into this world to make all things new. So now meet this beautiful messenger of God named Violet. Yeah, go down. No, I just do
2: myself. But Dad played the guitar with me, so we make our own jams. I around.
0: So this is my friend Violet And we, I'm in Seattle today So Violet is four, five years old You're five years old, right Violet? Yes
2: Yeah, Violet And I'm 42 inches I'm almost 43 inches
0: She has a genetic mutation That every cell in her body Has the potential to become cancer
2: One day, my mom was playing with me and she saw this.
0: Yeah, it was like a shiny thing yellow. in your eye, wasn't it?
2: Then we went to doctors, and one of my doctors is named Dr. Weiss, and he said that's definitely a tumor. Yeah,
0: yeah, it yeah. was. It was a tumor, and it's a very yeah. unique. It was a very unique kind of cancer. Do you yeah. remember the name of it?
2: It was retinal blastoma.
3: Retinal
0: blastoma.
3: She started active treatment at seven months old. And um, she went through 12 rounds of chemotherapy.
0: You also have some things that are different about you, and you're kind of like a superhero, right? Yeah.
2: My superpower is love.
0: Yes, her superpower is love.
2: And I have another superpower that I'm strong, see? <laughs> oh, ah, ah, go
1: get it. Grab
2: it. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> It's just my strong move.
3: Yeah, that was a strong
0: move. My goodness.
3: They said that it was the most drastic reduction in tumor size that they had ever seen. We have her in remission now, but you still have to keep coming for her EUAs, which are exams under anesthesia. And so she has to go to Seattle Children's every few weeks, and she has been going through these for... Four and a half years now you go into this hospital for all of these things and you never know if today is going to be the best day or the worst day I mean that's literally what it comes down to every time we walk in those doors and she has had this amazing faith through everything
2: today I saw a really really grumpy cat and it hissed at me like just like a snake she was mad because someone um gave him the new food and he didn't like it. I don't know why he's hissing at me because I'm not the one that gave him the new food.
3: She's just this little light everywhere we go, and it's people are drawn to her, and I think that it's because they see her faith. Fist
2: bump! Fist bump! Hi!
0: They told us that there's a chance that she wouldn't be a very social kid. Clearly, that's not the case with Violet. Violet delivers these care packages to other kids who are going through cancer treatment. She calls them blessing bundles. And when I filmed with her, we went to three different families' houses where she delivered these care packages. Uh, I'm looking at the footage right now. And uh, at one of the houses, when we arrived, there was a lot of construction going on, so the asphalt was really torn up. And when she got out of the car... She bent down, she, she spotted and picked up something that the rest of us hadn't noticed. We'd probably stepped over it. It was this teeny tiny little flower. And then in one hand she holds on to this flower and the other she's carrying this blessing bundle into the house. And then she gives that flower to this little girl who's been going through cancer treatment. Violet saw something beautiful that so many of us had missed and then she shared it.
2: You wanna play with me? Aw, thanks. Mason, I'm so happy you're here, so I can play with
1: you.
2: That's good job, Mason. You like you're gonna be pretty good this game.
0: I visited three kids with Violet that day. Of the three, two of them have passed away while we've been editing the film. But Violet continues to share these care packages with these kids and their families, even though it's pretty dark.
3: Tomorrow is never promised in anyone's life, but especially in Violet's life. You know, with the deletion and the mutation that she has, when you think of how many cells are in your body, every single day, she's a miracle. Every single day that she's healthy to us is a huge miracle.
0: So when I say the future, think about the future. How do you do that for your family today?
3: Honestly, I don't think that far into the future. That might sound strange, but I don't. I don't think about that far out. I actually think that's really cool when I think about it like that, now that you've asked me. Because that makes me believe that we're really in the moment.
0: (laughs) You're a
2: good snuggler. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I did it all myself because I love you.
0: Yes. Oh, Oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet.
1: people of hope see things that are beautiful that other people miss and they share them i pray that as we live out our lives with the hope that god has given us that we see those beautiful things that we bear witness to them that we share them with others As we are reminded that god is indeed making all things new amen
0: thanks for tuning in to the prince of peace podcast i hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life Have a great rest of the week.